What's happening, boys? Will Freeman, Revolutionary Lifestyle Design. We got Brian here from Loser to Winner and Phil from PhilHawksworth.com. What's good, boys? Hanging out, chilling. So, Phil had a few questions for me about happiness. As you guys know, happiness is my primary priority in life. And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I know you had a few questions for me there, Phil. Yeah, so Will's the only person that I've ever seen articulate that happiness is the ultimate goal. Right. Um, Everyone else is, whether they say it or they don't say it, I feel like in their eyes, success is the ultimate goal. Right. I think what you realize when you you come out here, uh, we're in Thailand, you realize that people here are so happy. Yeah. And then you realize that everyone at home striving to achieve is unhappy. Complete failures. And that really sort of opened my eyes to understanding that Will's right, happiness is kind of the ultimate goal. Right. So I'm, I'm interested, well, where... Where did that come from? Where did you sort of, where did the genesis of that idea? It came from massive depression when I was 13, when I stopped believing in God and, and started reading Nietzsche and Sartre and had a major existential crisis and became a 13 year old nihilist <laughs> because I, my brain had, has always been advanced, at least philosophically of, of my reality. Like I'm 13, I'm still playing sports and everything, but then I go home and I'm reading Nietzsche and, and, and all my mom's books on this because I'm trying to figure out why the fuck am I here? Why am I here? What is the point of this? I just die and, and I'm, I'm, there's no God and I'm suffering. And that eventually, all that questioning eventually took me into Buddhism, into Hinduism, which I studied in university and Eastern mysticism. And then I realized, okay, those are just the, the unveiled, those are the unveiled version of, of the Christian and Christian Judaic tradition, which is like the veiled version of God. The unveiled version is Nibbana and enlightenment and moksha and things like that. And that became my goal from like 19 to 21. I was very serious about that. At 21 or 20 or 21, I had another breakdown because I realized that enlightenment, you know, I, I, I could not control that to make it happen. I, I determined to make that happen, but I couldn't do it. And I realized I had to throw myself into the world again and if I'm not going to become enlightened, I might as well become as happy as I can possibly be. And that started when I was around 20. And I, but I had no direct plan. And so I was hit or miss. And I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a trader and I'm going to be wealthy and have all these girls. And that's going to do it, right? The money and the girls. And then I, be, I became like a wealthy trader. I'm making 60, 70 grand a month. And I'm having girls. And it's like, that wasn't doing it. Okay, alcohol, drugs, whatever. I'm going to, not quite doing it. Although, Drugs is still the closest thing to consistent happiness that I have. But it became more of like, okay, I'm more human than I, than I wanted to accept. And, and what, what that means is like, I can't just will myself thinking into being happy. I have to get up early. I have to eat right. I have to um, not eat too many carbs. So it puts me into a carb trance. I have to control all my human biology so that I'm naturally close to that state um fenibit helps not ejaculating is a massive probably the best antidepressant that i know of is not ejaculating for long periods of time and you know it's taken me a while but i've got to where i feel like i'm more consistently happy than i've been in like two decades and when i meet people the vast majority of people i am happier than them like you guys probably can tell from talking to me I probably laugh and smile the most out of most of the people that you meet. And that is that is a result of hard work. And I still have a long way, I still have a lot of work to do on top of that. 
to where I want to get my happiness level to where I'm eight out of 10 every single day. Eight out of 10 means like very happy every day. Mm. And a lot of that's been building up the business and, and doing what I love. Having a mission that I love is important. Um, but that's sort of the genesis of it till now, if that makes sense to you, brother. Yeah. I think it's, you made a distinction as well between the sort of law of attraction, hippie type people who yep. want to be happy, yep. but just expect it to happen. Right. Versus you're saying like you get up and you make it happen. Like you, everything in your life right. is a process towards it. hundred percent. So how would you say I'm, I'm just a, a guy listening to this and I want to start becoming more happy. Yeah. How do I figure out what that means for me? You got to figure out your reference points first. Like you got to go back through and like think about what makes you happy. What are like the top 20 things that you do that make you happy? I can give you off the top of my head, Fenibit, having um, tantric sex without ejaculating, a hot shower, eating clean and in moderation, having two to three beers at the most, you know, these different types of things, uh, creative, doing creative work that I love, like doing videos actually makes me happy. Mm. Talking to you guys and doing stuff like this makes me happy. Doing seminars... I'm talking to a bunch of guys really makes me happy when I, when I can actually do something good for somebody. Um, so all these things that I know of are state boosters. And I look at every day, I break down every day of like, how do I get state? So I wake up, I take a caffeine pill that gets me state for an hour and I do a workout that gets me, I do hard elliptical for like 20 to 30 minutes. That gets me state for another couple hours. Then I'm doing like work that I love that gets me state. Then I, have like a clean lunch or whatever and I put the music on and headphones and I amp up the state again. So my whole day I'm looking for state, 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 state and I'm actively working towards it. But to actually get to the point where you do that, you have to go through your reference points. You have to start becoming aware but even more than that, you have to look at happiness as your primary priority. Let me say that again. Happiness has to become your primary priority. You have to recognize that all the shit you're doing is for being happy And you have to say, okay, from now on, this is going to be my number one priority in life is being happy. Because then when you find yourself slipping into negative states, you're going to be like, whoa, instead of indulging in this state because I'm angry, I'm going to be like, whoa, I'm fucking up my priorities here. How do I get back to the the happier state? Does that make sense? Yeah. And if I could just jump in here for a minute. Yeah, man. I think um, it's really important to have a mission and not only a mission, but – huge. Helping people, I think, is what makes the most happiness. Like you always see, like people that volunteer. I don't volunteer personally, but you always see these volunteer people. They're the happiest people you ever see. Like they love helping people. And I've found, I'm sure you guys have found, like helping other guys out on the blog or in person. Like that's what really like fulfills you and makes you happy. So So I feel like the more you can help people and whatever you're doing in your mission, that that's going to really help out. And also to reference back to the podcast that we just did about digital nomads, these scammers and these quote unquote digital nomads, I could tell you for a fact they're not happy they, because they're not helping people. You, yeah. When you, when you scam people, you kill your own karma. Yeah. You kill your own happiness. Yeah. You can make money, but you, you sacrifice your own yeah. happiness. But when you actually help people, and I didn't realize it, like I always knew helping people made me feel good, but it wasn't until I started RLD that I really started to feel like not just a successful guy, but I was like, I'm a good guy mm-hmm. because a guy emails me or a guy puts a comment on YouTube. Like, will you change my life? Or you really yeah. help me? Like not to try and sound arrogant here, but I'm like, man, I helped a guy in Japan. I, I changed a guy's life in, in Poland mm-hmm. or wherever. And I'm like, 
Like, I love that comment yeah. almost as much as I love the money. Like, like on the same level. Like, I'm sure you feel that when you're doing your site. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize it until you start making a business around helping people. Yeah. And if you try and... If you try and have your business goal of like, let me help as many people as I want. Let me try and touch like 20,000, 30,000 lives. Not only are you going to get rich, but you are going to get fulfilled. Yeah. Because it is, you're living in the light. You're living in the positive karma. You are you are living with what I call my best self. Phil, you know my worst self probably pretty well. Because you know, like I, I have that, I have that like very primitive savage side, but like, in my business is like my best self. I'm like projecting my best positive energy and that loving side and that peaceful side and that side of like, I see a guy who's 22 and I fucking remember being depressed in 22 and like, I remember exactly where that guy's coming from. Yeah, we've been through it. Yeah, If we could help someone go through that, like. God, like that, that makes my day to hear like I can pull someone out of that because I remember the horror movie that my life used to be. Like I, I feel like I used to literally live in hell. Mm-hmm. Like I was living in a prison of hell and now I'm free and anyone I can pull out of that makes me feel very happy to do. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. How do you differentiate? Uh, I'm kind of going to answer my own question to an extent. But That's fine. How do you differentiate long-term happiness versus hedonism? So like if you say what's going to make you happy, like hooker and cocaine binges make people happy. Correct. But not for very long. I put everything on a 10-year timeline and I do 50-50. So 50% for what I want to accomplish the next 10 years, like my mission, right? My mission started when I was 30 and I have a goal for when I'm 40 of what I wanted to accomplish. So that's on a mission's on a 10-year timeline and 50% of my day is devoted to that. The other 50% of the day is devoted to what I want to enjoy today, okay? Now that could be having a girl over, that could be watching a movie, that could be having a good dinner, I've, I've very much moved out of like the way that I used to live where I was very harsh with myself and I'd be like, I'd whip myself if I ate the wrong thing. Now I like to have like a nice dinner every day. That's not quite a cheat meal, but it's not quite super healthy. Like I'll have a chicken, a chicken band meat or a chicken sandwich. Cause I got that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And then I have a special drink. I have my lime Schweppes and then I have a little Mars bar. That doesn't sound like a lot, but that's that. That is like a nice little reward for the end of the day. And then I'll, I'll read some shit or, you know, watch a movie or, or whatever, have a girl over something to look, like a little, you got to have something to look forward to at the end of the day. But during the day, I'm, I'm doing all that shit for my mission is building my success in the next 10 years. Okay. Instead of just like doing cocaine and hookers and I'm building, building, building. And I'm also building, I also enjoy my mission. Okay. Having that mission is crucial, but having a mission that you enjoy is very important. And moving to level, what I call levels of luxury in your business. Okay, luxury is not Louis Vuitton. Luxury is living the life that you want and getting to do what you want. So for me, luxury is like, I just stopped answering emails. I also stopped giving refunds because I didn't like to do it and it meant I had to check my emails. I've also started like outsourcing some of the bitch work that I don't like to do. And as I keep... As I keep making more money, I'm going to keep outsourcing more of the stuff. My ideal day is that I just shoot the video. Someone else uploads it, adds it to SoundCloud, iTunes, does the transcription on my site, all the shit that I hate doing. 
and my day is just like three or four hours of like, okay, hit me with the notes. All right, we're going to go live on this video. What's up, boys? And, and that's pretty much it, right? So my ideal day is like 100% creative work that I love. And as I'm scaling up, I'm moving to those higher levels of luxury, higher levels of a fulfilling mission, which is very, very, very important. But again, it's a luxury. Not everyone can have that, okay? The world needs janitors. The world needs garbage men. There's, the world needs guys to work on the subway. So you got to fucking sacrifice and you got to say like, those, okay, I see those levels of luxury and happiness are available. What do I have to do to get that? Yeah. Right? It's not for everyone. This is not, this is not like bullshit self-improvement. Anyone can live their passion. And no, man, living your passion is a motherfucking luxury. The majority of people will always be unhappy. Correct. Because the majority of people don't do what they actually want to do. Correct. If you want to be happy, you got to do what you want to do. Correct. And society, the system, which is a slave ship, could not exist if everyone did what they wanted to do. Exactly. Because it, we'd have no janitors, mm-hmm. right? So recognize that it's a slave ship, okay? If you want to get out and you want to be happy, that's a luxury. To, to, get, to just do what you want to do every day, which should be natural and normal to everybody, mm-hmm. is the biggest luxury in the world. And you have to fucking fight and, and kick and claw and scratch to get there and then constantly move up to levels of luxury to where you enjoy it every like we're sitting out here in thailand boys it's minus 40 where i come from almost doing what we want to do okay and none of us are taking that for granted right i don't think i think both of you guys recognize that this is a fucking major it's a major luxury Mm -hmm. and something we earn and something we're gonna fucking work very hard to hold on to if you don't have that mentality then you're not gonna make it because someone else is just, just going to come take your shit. Yeah. And if I start to slack, someone's going to come take my readership. There's only a certain number of spots. Right, man. Someone's going to come take all my readers, come take you know everything from me. Uh-huh. Can come take my girls. Someone's always – there's always another motherfucker around the corner coming to take my little piece of happiness. So you've got to like also like recognize the reality and work for that too. Yeah. You know, you got to work up – wake up every day like, all right, I'm ready to do this shit. What do I have to do to make it happen? Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, the, what I take from this is it's a mindset shift from the mainstream, which is like the god of success. Correct. To where success is important for as long as it increases your happiness. I would, I would even go even further to success is worthless unless it makes you happy. The only thing that's important is what makes you happy. Yeah. Now, success will make you, in my opinion, will make you happy if you're doing what you want to do. I was very successful in and sales. If you're doing it legitimately. Yeah, like I was successful in sales and I had the suit and the apartment and everything, but I was very unhappy. Mm-hmm. That that money was very small consolation for yeah. the 50 hours of fucking work that I hated. No amount of money is worth unhappiness. It's not, man. It's, if you told me, okay, I was I'd have to work in sales for the next 15 years, but when I get out of that, I'm going to get 20 million dollars. But I got to work in sales for the next 15 Still years. Do it. Never, not a chance. Never take. I wouldn't take it for 200 million dollars yeah. because I'm 34. By the time I got out, I'd, I would be 50. I'd be sacrificing what's left of the prime of my youth mm-hmm. for something I loathe to get a bunch of money when I'm old. Mm-hmm. That's that's the average guy's deferred life plan. Yeah. I'll enjoy this stuff when I'm 60, and I'll be sailing around the world on my on my yacht. Guess what? 17, only 82% of people make it to 65. Right? 18% of people don't make it. That's one of the seven guys that's going to be dead before 65. <laughs> How fucking rough is that? Chances are, like, the way that I used to live, that, that could very well be me. So I'm, you're saving all this shit for 
the deferred life plan when you get to that age, and then you're dead. Or you, or you have health problems. And I think there's the time and happiness is worth more than any amount of money. So it's worth more because that's all there is. I can't make. I can make new money. I can't make new time. Yeah. I'm 34. I can't get. I can't get. You guys didn't work the corporate job in your 20s. Thank God. I did an internship for about six months, and I knew that I couldn't do anymore. So right. I, I can't get the time back that I gave to selling for other people in my 20s. Yeah. Like no amount of money I make is going to get that time back. Mm-hmm. Right? The time is fucking more valuable than money. That's something you recognize as you get older. Did you ever struggle making happiness your priority? Deconditioning yourself from, you know, people say you're selfish and you only care about yourself. 100%. You're not living life they want you to live, essentially. Sure. And I still struggle today because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly fighting off all the social conditioning that I grew up with. And the, the metrics of success. So 34-year-old male, what is the metrics of success in Western society? House, white picket fence, wife. The vast majority of guys are over 30 are living for that social acceptance. They put the, the wild days of their youth, and I'm using quotes behind them, and they're living for that kind of a lifestyle because that says, I know very well that would make me very unhappy. So I have to, when I'm talking to my family, I have to explain to them like, my lifestyle, which is so out of touch with what they think I should be doing mm-hmm. or what the vast majority of people think that I should be doing. Like 34 year old man living out here in Thailand, no family, just doing fucking make internet personal development money. That's an insane thing to most people. Right. Yeah. But I recognize that that makes me happier. I recognize I've had the success. I've lived with the girl. I've done all the things that I would, you know, I've tested those things that society said. And they made me so unhappy. Mm-hmm. So unhappy. So, like, I guess to answer your question, having tested those, having dipped my foot in the water on a number of those things really changed my perspective. Like, I don't have to worry about what it would have been like if I had gotten married to Viva. I lived with her. I had the sales job. I knew exactly what that was like. It was it was horrible. Yeah. I, I, I You could see the next year's year. Oh god. You, you knew you couldn't do it. Six months of winter. Yeah. We would have moved into the house. Her family owned a second house. So they owned a house right next door to theirs in Scarborough, which was like an hour and a half drive outside of the city. So I've been driving I would have been living in Scarborough, which is a shithole. I've been driving an hour and a half into the city six months of winter, working a sales job, trying to provide for kids, living right next to her family of Romanian people, which always had like 30 Romanian people in their house speaking Romanian. <laughs> like, they're nowhere, nowhere for Will to call home. None of my life would have been for me. I would have been like, I would have been looking forward to the Sunday night where she took the kids over to their parents' house and I would just be able to like sit there with my... Take a dump in peace. Yeah, and take a dump with the door open and order pizza like that would have been like the highlight that's the highlight of America's guys night or week you know yeah. like the, the reason I ask is um, most people's objection is yeah that's alright for you right but I have a wife to support I have kids I have to pay the bills I have yeah. you know my mum expects me to go to university my, right. I need to provide for my family and you know all the excuses that everyone has like how maybe because I've never been in that situation and I was personally just so thick headed and essentially was just selfish when I was young. Yeah. I didn't give a fuck. I was just doing me. Yeah. And 
once I'd figured out what that was, then off I went. And I didn't, I literally didn't give a shit about anybody else. But most people do. And especially when they sort of come to that realization later sure. in their life when they've accumulated people and things that they're responsible for in their life. So how, how would you sort of broach that? How do they move forward well, to being more happy? To be honest, I'm quite similar to you in that I've always been very selfish in the same way. And, um, you know, when I, even when I lived with the girl, I was like, this is temporary. I'm not going to get married. She didn't hear any of that. All she heard was you're living with me. We're on the next step towards getting married. And she said, okay, that's fine. But then, you know, six months in, she starts pushing her agenda. You guys know how it is. So like I drew that boundary very early with my mom standing up to my mom since I can remember about just, I'm going to do what I want. And you have to be willing to sacrifice people. You have to be willing to sacrifice family members who don't talk to you. You have to be willing to sacrifice friends who don't um, want to deal with the new you. I mean, Brian, you're you're the youngest guy here and you're closest to where you've been through like the massive self-improvement. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of your friends were like, no, you're the, the old Brian. I want to chop you down. To I kind of did it the reverse. One of the biggest things for me like to change as a person was just to cut everyone else out because I realized that everyone was such losers and they were going to be stuck down the same unhappy path that most Americans and Canadians live with so I just actively cut them out and that was the best decision I've ever made 100% like that that's what happens you end up having to sacrifice people um even back home I had to leave I got two friends I've been friends with since I was five I left them to come out here in Thailand yeah you know, it's, you, you just, when you actually make happiness your priority, that's when it changes. Okay. That's the biggest thing. If, if, if there's one takeaway you get from this is make happiness your priority. Okay. Because when you truly internalize that and you make that a vow, you make that a vow that's you're serious as a heart attack, then all the stuff becomes second nature. You're like, this person's making me unhappy. They're gone. Yeah. Okay. This person is asking, I'm standing up to this person because they're making me unhappy. If, if you are still sacrificing for other people's happiness, then your vow, your happiness is not your prime, primary priority. Like I talk to this to a lot of guys, but most guys don't actually take that vow to like, okay, my happiness is priority number one. Mm-hmm. They're still doing other things. It's still like success is number one or fucking a lot of girls is number one. Yeah. They don't actually hear what I'm saying. Because when you actually hear and you internalize that, everything else just falls into place. You're like, okay, this girls too much drama or this is this person is no good I get rid of them mm-hmm. like I, I get rid of people all the time I'm very ruthless with it because I'm like they're they're fucking up my objectives yeah. you know so the when you make the vow everything else will fall in line behind that if that makes sense to you it makes sense to me I'm I guess it's like you know if you in an alternative universe if you were like 30 yep. and you've got a long-term girlfriend maybe you're engaged and yep. you've got a kid and you've got a mortgage and a car on finance like but, but you're unhappy as hell and yep. you hate your job like do you just burn that all down yeah because most people are not going to do that that's right that's why my site's only for one percent of guys i only aim for like the one percent of guys who actually want to make the change if you're unhappy you got to change that now i'm not saying abandon your kid you're gonna have to take care of your kid for the rest of your life because you're not a piece of shit. Um, you're going to have to take care of that kid, but that girl and and that lifestyle, I mean, there's no sense staying together for the kids when you're unhappy. The kids don't benefit from a two-parent home 
when dad is always angry. Mm-hmm. Okay, in that situation, I would be the angry dad who's yelling at people because I'm very unhappy. Why is daddy always yelling? Because daddy hates his life. They're like the, so that's not helping the kid, right? <laughs> like you got to get out of that situation, and you got to get out of that job. You got to get rid of that car if it's too expensive. The only thing you have to take care of is like. I, I can't condone anyone abandoning their kid. You're gonna have to take care of that kid, but that girl, you're gonna have to, you know, put her. You're gonna have to exit that situation. That's why I tell guys like not to get married. Like read my stuff on that. You know, you got to be very serious about giving anyone leverage. And I define leverage as involving anyone in a major long-term goal. Okay, major long-term goal should have at least. A 20% increase in your happiness. That's how I define an ROI on any major long-term goal. So time, anything that takes a a ton of time, emotional energy, and financial investment, like a business. My business has increased my happiness at least 20%. Allowed me to move out of here. I don't have to make cold calls. I mean, in every sense, in every fucking metric, it's increased my happiness. But having a marriage and kids, which would be more expensive, or at least as it, no, more, more expensive, and would be at least the same financial investment and more of an emotional investment, I would have to know that that would be a 20% increase in my happiness. But I've now I've given leverage to someone else for that particular goal, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, uh, you can't control it. Anymore. Right, I can't control a woman, right? Never think that you're bigger than the game and you can control what a woman's gonna do. You can't control any of that, mm-hmm. right? In the same way that I never gave anyone leverage to my business. I've had five businesses. The only one succeeded was the one I did by myself. There's no coincidence because every time I involve someone else, I've given him leverage on my, on my happiness. So you have to be very, very, very motherfucking careful who you extend leverage to your major goals and who's going to – because the, the second you do that, you allow them to affect your happiness, right? So, I mean that's – I don't know if that answers the question. The, the, if, if I'm trying to answer the question, I would say the guy's got to get out of the situation that's making him unhappy, except for the kid. But ideally, get a time machine and go back in time and not put yourself in that fucking position, right? Hmm. Does that make sense to you? You got to be very motherfucking careful with leverage. Yeah, I mean, it. Get, I guess it depends who's listening. If you're young, then it's fine. Yeah, because you have. No responsibility. Yeah. You can just do whatever you want. Yeah. I was <clears throat> I was thinking about people who do have responsibility and, you know, the, the, they want to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy. Yeah. But people that are self-aware enough to know what they need to do to become happy. Yeah, they don't look for it in the right places. They have all these things that's stopping them doing it. They, they have those things, but all those things are because they haven't made the vow of happiness as their primary priority. If they actually made that vow, they would drop that girl and they would get a new job or they would start saving for a business that would allow them to make themselves happier. If they were, imagine if you were serious as a heart attack, okay, and you had three years to make yourself 25% more happy. You gun to your head, three years. That's how seriously you should take it, mm-hmm. right? If you, otherwise, then you're not taking my vow seriously. You're, you're just saying, okay, yeah, happiness is my thing, but it's actually not. Avoiding social shame is your biggest priority. I think the number one reason people don't put happiness as number one is because they're still so drawn into that popularity is the number one thing for happiness. Right. They need to be accepted by everyone. That's right. been drilled into them since birth. 
and they get their happiness from Facebook likes. Right. Like, that's literally what they live for. And then after each new post, it's temporary because after each new post, they they don't have that influx of notifications. They have to do another one. And if that one gets less likes, then they're like, oh shit. Like, Which is so, it's so crazy to me because I grew up, I'm 34, I grew up without Facebook. Yeah. I never used it. And it's like, for you guys, for you young guys, for you to even tell me that right now, that's that's kind of blowing my mind because... Oh, yeah. That So, like, the vast majority of young guys and girls live off of those social media Their likes. ego is based on their social media and their happiness is based off their ego. Therefore, it can never be fulfilled. It's crazy to me. It's so crazy. Like, oh. to me, Facebook is a thing, is an addiction... It's an attention casino created by a genius. Mm, yeah. Right? In the same yep. way the casino just sucks your money, Facebook just sucks your, sucks your life. attention and you walk out of the you walk out of Facebook the same way you walk out of a casino at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Your attention, your money's gone and you feel like shit. Yeah. Does anyone go on Facebook for two hours and feel better? No. It's impossible. I, no. I do. I made money on Facebook. Well, yeah, if you're doing <laughs> if you're doing ads, fine. <laughs> But, but other than that, you're just going on and looking at everyone's fake lives because everyone's lying on Facebook. Yeah. And, and you're just it's seeing all like, illusion. it's all illusion. Like no one posts a picture of the dump they took that day or like the fact that they were crying. They should. They'd probably be happier if they did take that <laughs> yeah. picture because at least they're being honest. Yeah. It's like, here's, here's me at Starbucks. Like I'm just doing shit. Like, yeah. isn't my life great? I think, you know, it's, it's fake, man. So I don't have... Go do the take a dump, post a picture to Facebook challenge. Yeah. It'll it'll change your life. The real Facebook. This is me picking my nose and taking a dump. (laughs) It really would help because it would get you out of the mindset of like social acceptance and having your ego being number one. One thing that people really, really need to understand, and this is huge for being happy, is that no one cares about you. Nobody cares. Okay? You... Everyone lives in, in, in like, okay, I have to do this because all eyes are on me. This imaginary audience is on me. It's like no one's really paying attention to your life because they're so caught up in their own vortex of their own of their own like their imaginary audience. Yep. So they're all living for this imaginary audience, right? It's like no one cares. I have dick pictures on the internet. And I, I have books called How to Fuck Women Properly and How to Get Laid on Tinder. And before I released those, I was like, oh my God, what's everyone going to think? The answer to that is no one cared because no one thinks about me. No one thinks about me that often. Mm-hmm. Even though I have 100,000 visitors and I'm, my YouTube's growing, it's like, it doesn't matter, man. It, it, like, it, it really doesn't matter because everyone's caught up in their own world. They're not thinking about what Will's doing. I'm sure some of my friends have found him. They're like, oh, that's crazy. And that was it. That's, that's, the, thought, that's the extent of the thought that they gave it. Like, my oldest friends don't even remember what my website's name is, yeah. right? And I was like, oh, people from high school could find my shit. Like, I've changed so much and it's so crazy. I'm, they, I'm sure they haven't. They don't care. They're just like, oh, that's what Will's doing now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But here's me at Starbucks on Facebook. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're like caught up in their own trance. So yeah. I think an important point on that is the only people that do care about you is your family, your parents. Right. And... They want you to be happy right. more than anything else. My mom, my mom tells me that every time. I just hope that you're happy. Same with my mom. That's if, all she cares about. If they care about anything else other than your happiness, like how you make the family look or garbage. any bullshit like that, they're a bad person. Right. Essentially, that's that's very important to understand. There, your mom or dad might be a bad person, and you might have to cut them off. Like I don't, I haven't cut my mom off because my mom is. 
you know, there were some things that she did that weren't very good, but she's still a good person at heart. And every time it's like, Will, I want you to be happy. I love you. That's every conversation ends like that. Yeah. Right? If And the same goes for friends. If your friends don't want you to be happy, they're garbage. Yeah. If they want to sabotage your success, if they see Brian out here in Thailand, you know, being very young and ahead of the game and has a dropshipping store and his own blog and they, they think like, fuck Brian, well, that guy's garbage and he's got to go. And most of your guys' actual quote-unquote friends aren't really your friends. They don't give a shit about you. Right. The average male friendship is very terrible, okay? <laughs> nice. Women are just bad. It's not just men. Women are bad, but they at least, you can have a shoulder to cry on. With guys, it's like... Wow, they bitch about it. I'll feel the shoulder. Yeah. I mean, but at least they give you the idea of, like, they care about you. Guys don't even give you the idea that they care about you. Mm, like, yeah. I, like, especially in high school and as you're coming up, the friendships are so ruthless. So superficial. So like, superficial. Like, it's just a bunch of guys sitting down at a table and shitting on each other. Of, like, yeah. who's the best at that? And, like, the weakest guys get made fun of. Mm-hmm. And, like, no one shows any vulnerability because when you show vulnerability, you get ripped on. Yep. And it was, like, I remember in that, I used this example before with Phil, but, like, in grade 8, we had a pizza place where we all went to. And I learned how to eat really fast because the guy who ate the slowest got left behind. So the first two guys would finish, would usually be like the leaders. They would finish the fastest and then they would just start walking back to the school or girls. And the guy who ate the slowest would be running to catch up with everyone with his pizza in his hand, dripping greasy pizza because no one cared. Like you're just on your own. And to me, there's no point in a friendship like that where you're just shitting on guys and like there's... a I mean, what is a point where you just have to like dominate and you have to like attack and like you have to, I, I, I just got rid of those friendships because I was like, there's, there's no point in maintaining being this alpha where I have to maintain and put all this energy and investment into yeah. something that gets such little return. Once you're outside of the high school bubble and you don't actually need that. Once I realized I could get girls on my own, I was like, I don't need this big social crew that I have to just like constantly check these guys and cut them down because they're trying to come from my spot. I was like, this is doing nothing for me. Mm-hmm. And then I expanded that even more into my business now where I'm just like, I took all that shit online, right? And I'm just like, I don't even need a social circle because I have, I've kind of expanded all my stuff online to where instead of like sitting around and being the alpha of like three or four guys, I've just taken that online. So I get a ton of my validation from online because I am a natural, I'm a natural alpha male where I, I do need to dominate, mm-hmm. but I've been able to control that and transmute it into something positive. And I've also been able to control that into myself where I can sit around with a few guys and I don't have to dominate everything. Mm-hmm. I can, and it, it's actually, it's actually a lot better when you don't. It's so much nicer when you like give the other guy the time to shine, give this guy the time to shine, like make everyone be happy instead of like coming into like I'm just gonna take everyone down and just pull myself up. Yeah. No one likes you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's one thing you realize. No, everyone talks about like dark yeah, no triads and They fear that. Person. Yeah, they fear they fear you. They don't like you. A they, Bronx Tale. Everyone, everyone watched that movie. Yeah, everyone hates you and is waiting for you to fall. And the second they do, they're, they're going to love it and talk shit behind your back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And the girls, too. The girls will be attracted to you and want to fuck you, but they actually will hate you at the same time. Phil still has that word, like, hey. half, all your girls halfway hate you. Yeah. If not more than halfway hate you. Yeah. Because you still run a lot of that drama game on them. I, I've, 
I think that's more of just because I'm so selfish. But I think part of your like, happiness... I, I really don't consider their feelings. They can either follow me or they can leave. The, yeah. That's, but like, that's why. I think but also, like, part of your happiness comes from, at least this, where you're at now, is a bit of the drama of, from the girls. I don't like drama. I don't know why you have this idea of, I like girl drama. You have a giant smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you always bring this up and I don't... I don't know, Look I don't at the way he's reacting. Like, <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys actually like I drama. Could, I could see how that'd be fun. I mean, you have so much power. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. It can be good, but it can also be bad if you get too much power. Well, when your power truly solidifies, when you're like, I can just do this. And it's the same way with picking up girls. Yeah. You're like, I, can, I, I, I know I can do this down to my bone. Then you're like, well, I don't have to do this. I'm wasting time from work. Mm-hmm. Why... Yeah, and it's not fulfilling because it's so easy. Yeah, but I think I think there's stages. I yeah. think there are stages, and it comes with like, I think I at 27, 28, I was doing the same thing as you were. And I think we had this conversation the other day. Like, if if there's like a scale and like disinterest is on one and drama is on a hundred. Yeah. Like when you're around eighteen, ninety, that's when she's giving the most investment and she cares about you the most and that's yeah. when it's the best. Since I, I, I know you tend to be more pragmatic and you'll keep people around 50 and 60 yeah. to avoid the drama. Correct. Whereas I like to go to 80 and 90 until such times it boils over into drama because I like that, drama. the thrill of the almost drama. Mm. Them, you, them giving everything before we get to the drama. And you like the drama because the drama shows that you have power over her. When she's, when she's dramatic and getting jealous over you, and yeah. you got three or four girls. You know that she yeah, cares. Exactly. You're like, I'm the fucking man. So that you'll take a bit of a drama to get that power, that boost of like. Everyone likes it. So like, I, I've had periods. In, I've had periods in my life where I can just have loads of foot buddies and no one that I actually give a shit about. Right. And I eventually start to want someone that I care about and someone that cares about me. Well, that's something we should just delve into real quick about happiness. Um, the uh, whole idea of just running through a bunch of girls, like the PUA fantasy, is a very good way to make yourself happy for the first six months to eight, six months to a year. And then become very depressed. And then become very depressed. Because you you get happy because you're like, oh shit, I fucked one girl. Oh shit, I fucked another. Oh my God, this is crazy. I'm yeah. getting girls. You start to feel good. Then you realize you can do it. And then you're like, is this it? That's literally what happened to me three years ago. Right. I did it all. I finally, like, was able to get girls. And then I thought that I had to keep doing this. Right. Because that's what I was supposed to do. Like, you're supposed to sleep with a lot of girls. You're supposed to, you know, be that man and, like, be that cool guy. Right. But then you're not putting your happiness as number one because I started to realize, like, this is not fun. I hate this. Like, I'd rather just have a girl that I actually like instead of wasting my time, like, doesn't do anything for me. Right. So you go from approach anxiety to approach compulsion. Yeah. You're like, I have to approach that girl on that pussy faggot. That's exactly faggot. what I was going through. <laughs> All those guys on the forum are going to think I'm a faggot if I don't approach that yeah. girl. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And it's like, it's another chat. And then, and then the scariest thing is when you fulfill your dreams and it doesn't make you happy. You're like, I have all these girls now, just like I dreamed when I was 13 and not getting laid. And it's not making me happy. Is this it? Is this what the fucking game is? Yeah. So you have to like, you have to move, use your happiness as a guide. Okay, fine. It's not making me happy. But what about if I have a girl that I have a connection with? Oh, actually, that's very nice. But then it goes like, 
oh, okay, now it's getting dramatic. What did I do wrong here? How do I pull back? How do I avoid that in the future? So you really have to be, it's a subtle thing to follow of like veering between going too far and, and not enough. Um, you have to really follow that, that little voice of like happiness of like, something's not working here. Okay. What do I have to tweak You're in right. the future? Right. When you hear it too, you got to do it right away right or away. else it's going to get worse and worse. The longer you wait, the more you suffer. Yeah. I'd say that I've come full circle where I now want to have a, a main girl that I actually care about. Yeah. Almost like a relationship. most people would when they're bad with girls. A human relationship. Yeah. And like a normal, basically <laughs> a normal relationship. The only caveat is that I don't expect permanence i correct. expect it will end in drama at some point in the future well that is correct and that's that's how it will end um but that is that is coming full circle with the realism of having been a player and understanding the game so you understand that it will end in tears most likely every monogamous relationship always. does always um but and this sounds a bit rough you want it to be her tears, not yours. And the way that you do that is when things start going bad, you end it You end it the second you're like, when you start to see the future, like, okay, this has become bad. That's It's become unrecoverable at this point. You end it because the girl's going to hang on for like five or six months when it's bad. So she's not going to be able to end it. So you end it and you try and end it with a minimum of suffering. All right. If you're hanging on for dear life, waiting for her, like, please don't break up with me. Guess what's going to happen? She's going to end up breaking up with you and you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. Right. A lot of players are very afraid of monogamy and they're afraid of getting in a relationship because they've been hurt before. Okay. In my experience, I've had a few monogamous relationships and I'm the one who ends it because I can see the writing on the wall. and like, this has gone to shit. It's, it's hurting me a bit to end it, but it's got to be done. And it would hurt way more. Way yeah. more. It'll hurt both of us way yeah. more. But the point is, I'm, I like you can have it where you're getting the vast majority of the benefit and a small amount of the downside. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can have this is my usual cycle: casual sex in moderation to MLTRs, multiple girls where I'm seeing once a week which usually for like a couple of years and then I'll upgrade one to a girlfriend for like six months to two years. And then as shit, before shit starts going downhill, I am the one who ends it. All right. Nine times out of 10 is, is not super dramatic when I end it. It's bad for her, but it's not particularly bad for me. All right. So if, that's where you're sort of staying ahead of the game. If you're self-aware and you're good with women, mm -hmm. I can't imagine a scenario where a girl would ever break up with you. Because you will see it coming so far ahead of when it happens. You'll know before she knows. That's, that's, when, when you're good with women, you know what she's thinking before she does. That's the important difference. So like when when you know that, it's like if you don't want it to end, then you change and you fix it so it doesn't. Or you end it. That's the important. Or you at least withdraw yourself. So you that's the important it. differentiating characteristic. And I like that you said when you're self-aware, you'll know before she knows. Not that when you're a good player, she'll never want to break up with you because you're a super special guy. This is yeah. not true. No, no, no. This is one thing that, I, that I'm that i telling advanced players is never think that you're bigger than the game. How many guys have you heard like, yo, I got this bitch on lockdown, man. She loves my dick, man. She's never going <laughs> to fucking... Man I'm, man, I'm not like those chumps. Like, that's a big... That's a, that's a, a player problem, right? You go from beta to alpha and you have that... And you start thinking you're the shit. You start thinking you're bigger than the game and like the rules don't apply to you. And then that sweet little girl leaves that guy, and then you don't hear from him for a yeah, while, right? He's done. And then he, and then he comes back with a story like, "Man, yo, I fucking dumped that bitch. I didn't even care." But it's yeah. like, no, you got dumped, and you're lying about it, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so the everything is transient, and and the girl can leave. Okay, but this is what this is the important thing that you said, Phil. Very very important. When you're self aware, you see the problems before they start to happen, and you end it well before it goes downhill. Okay, and that that has been my reality. Okay. I'm not saying I'm super special and girls is gonna to want to stay with me forever. I'm saying that like when shit starts going wrong, I'm the one who pulls a plug and I pull it before she does because I've been through it. I can see the future and I'm mentally stronger than she is, and it's the best thing to do for that move, right? You you should never really get hurt. There'll be like a little bit of a sense of loss when you cut it off before it that's, naturally ended. That's the biggest thing. But you should never get punched in the gut unexpectedly. Right. Okay, like if a woman left left you for no reason, then you weren't really a player. Okay. No, a woman doesn't leave you for no reason. You're just not self-aware enough to know what the reason was. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're a true player, a woman, you should never be surprised when a girl leaves. Okay? She should only leave when it was like, she wanted a relationship. You said, I'm not going to give in to that monogamy. And you know that she's eventually going to be like, I can't do this unless you give in. And then she goes. And you're like, okay, I wish you all the best. Right? Like, if a girl blindsides you, then you're not a player. Then, then, or, or you were slacking on your macking, mm-hmm. right? Like all these guys who've been married, and it's like I was, I was buying her things for thirty years, and I took, and she just left out of nowhere. It's like, dude, you've been unaware for the last fucking thirty years, man. You didn't know, you didn't know anything about your woman. You didn't, yeah. you, you were like, you were completely aside from the game. I want to make a point here as well. Like, so many guys in the manosphere are in that situation where they've so been married. Many. And then the girls divorce them and all they can do is fucking whinge about sluts and hypergamy or whatever the fuck yeah. that word means. I never want to hear hyper... I never like, want to hear that word again. It's your that? fucking <laughs> fault. It's your if fault. it happened, it's your fault. Yeah. It's not because women are evil. It's not because this girl in particular is especially evil. Yeah. It, maybe she is a bad person, but then that's still your fault for fucking choosing her and letting her get into a situation where she can hurt you so is much. It's your fault for, Take giving, responsibility your fault for, for getting yourself. married. Okay, you you gave her the leverage to take half your assets, knowing that like there's a fifty percent divorce rate. Okay, if you chose to get married, then you chose to put yourself in that dangerous position. If you don't get married, then no one can divorce you. All right. Now I got on my video of not getting married. I get these comments mostly from women like, "You're too scared to take a chance." You know, you know, you got to love, and sometimes it ends up in divorce. It's like. No man, I'm a man. That means that my it assets never ends in divorce. Yeah, yeah, man, it doesn't end for me. I gotta pay that shit forever. Not only are you getting, not only is she leaving, right? Which happens seventy percent of divorces. It's the woman who leaves, and usually she's the one who insisted on the marriage. So she I, insists on the marriage. She leaves. I would also question that statistic. Seventy percent of the time she leaves. But how many of the 30% is she cheated on him and then he left? Right. Because she had cheated on him. Uh, yeah, so I she mean, essentially initiated it? I mean, I would say like 50, 50% of people cheat in a long-term marriage. Thirty, It's like 30, 35% admit or something like that. So like add it's the 50 be at least and, double. Uh, yeah, at least double. <laughs> I mean, because you know, like the women aren't, aren't sitting there like admitting to yeah. the, Not everyone's admitting to it. And I mean, guys cheat too. I mean, I think guys are probably just as bad. But um, it doesn't make sense to put yourself in that situation. Like you so don't have to marry a girl. Right. You can be with a girl, not marry her. You can have a kid with a girl, not marry her. You can have like eighty percent of the benefits without that massive yeah. leverage and massive, massive fucking um, your risk profile, right? Yeah. Like I say, I say, look at every major decision uh, as an investor. You're looking at your return on your investment, your risk profile. You're looking at 
how much happiness is it going to bring you? And, and, you know, how much consistent happiness? If you're going to take any major uh, decision, like that should be at least 10%, 15% increase in happiness. Mm-hmm. How is a marriage going to do that for you? How is like signing the, a document where you get the government involved in the division of your assets can lead to It's 15% like buying more? a car. It's a depreciating asset. There's <laughs> yeah. no way you win. Right. And, and you wouldn't buy a car for life no matter what you fucking – no matter what that car does. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. We're not, we're not comparing women to property but like – I think the biggest, the biggest problem with the supposed people who are good with women is that they go too far and they have no empathy for women. Right. They don't understand women. They just think that anything a woman does is to try and hurt a guy or to try and win some imaginary war over a guy. This is what guys got to understand about being a fucking... the ability to empathize with women. A fucking true player. The true player is not just being able to get pussy. Okay. Any young, good-looking guy can get a lot of pussy. It is. It goes so much deeper than that. It is understanding the fucking full psychological profile of a woman. And it is... Also, as important to be able to take your ego out of that, okay? When you get really good with women, as as important, like, you have to start developing different skill sets. And one of the biggest things I got to tell, like, guys who are players is, like, taking your ego out of it. When you're good looking and you get in shape and you start to dress well and you start to fuck well and you start to get really good results with women, it's very easy to think you're the shit. And that is, that's a good mentality to have, to think you're the shit, but never think you're not replaceable because... There's a guy like, if a girl's dating me, she's going to be attracted to Phil. She's probably going to be attracted to Brian. There's another guy. There's always another guy there, right? And if you're not giving her monogamy, guess what? She's fucking another guy. Or at the very least, talking to another guy. No matter what she says. No matter what she says, oh, I'm only with you. I only like you. She's running girl game on you to get you in a relationship. She's probably saying the same shit to the other guy. Right, yeah. and that dumbass, that dumbass new players be like, yo, bro, man, she, she's not fucking anybody. Oh, how do you know that, man? She told me, man, she's all over my dick, messaging, she loves me. I'm like, dude, she's running game on you, man. She's running purity game. No, man, you should see how many times she comes on my dick. I'm like, fuck, irrelevant, bro. Yeah, dude. Irrelevant. Those girls are running game on us too. And one of the worst things, well, if you're what you'd call a high value guy, yeah, is. If you lose a girl to a better guy, yep. like some billionaire movie star fucking athlete comes along and steals her, then that's you can take that, you can accept that. Right. That's sort of the nature of the world. But it's when you lose her to someone who's inferior to you. <laughs> that's when it's like, that can just fucking chop your ego up into pieces. That'll chop you up what, if, if you What you need to realize is like, if you're not giving her what she wants, right? she will get it from someone else who may be below your standard. You're always below your standard. Okay, here's the deal. If you're a player and you're not promising monogamy to a girl, you never lose that girl to another player. You lose that girl to a beta. You don't lose that girl to an alpha. I'm not going to lose a girl to Phil because guess what? Phil's not going to promise monogamy either. So what's that going to do? What's that girl going to do? She's going to share me and Phil, and she's going to try and sell both of us on a relationship. Yeah, whichever one accepts first, they'll should go. And Phil and I, since, since Phil, since Phil like came out to Chiang Mai, we fucked two or three of the same girls, right? I don't know, probably more without Pro- knowing it. Probably more, right? <laughs> and then every every new player I meet, almost, we fucked at least one of the same girls because it's a relatively small city. But guess what? She runs all the same game on us. I'm a good girl. I'm sweet. This and that. They're, girls are running game too. So girls run better game than guys. Mo- better game than most guys, most guys, right? And even better game than most players because women recognize that ego is the key to... Well, women know how to manipulate that ego. 
right? They know like, okay, this guy thinks he's a big stud, so I'm gonna blow I'm gonna blow up his his fucking mind on that, and then that'll get him to commit. So I'm not losing a girl to Phil. I'm not gonna lose a girl to Brian because they're probably not gonna commit to that girl. I lose a girl to a beta male. I lose a girl to a guy who works. A nine-to-five job and wears khaki pants and has glasses because he's the one who's committing to her. And he doesn't know anything about the fact that she's been fucking me and Phil the whole time that he was dating her. He just thinks, hot girl likes me. And guess what? She's going to be super happy for the first couple months because she's like, finally someone treat me right. She's going to post all of her Facebook. Her friends are going to be like, oh, you found your prince. Blah, 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 until she gets bored of him. And yeah. Then, two then, months later. Two months later. Hey, Phil, what's up? Hey, Will, what's up? How... Just wanted to see how you're doing, right? I mean, like ninety, like you'll lose that girl. You always lose that girl if you don't commit, and it'll always be to beta. And but almost always she'll come back, right? How many times has that happened? You went back yeah, to England. She, they, they'll always come back. Okay, you went back to England, right? You were seeing that girl. Which one? Here or in England? In England. Yeah. The yeah. one with the the boyfriend who yeah, saw you yeah. like this the day you got back to England. Yeah, so I, I've left England for like two years and I go back and just slip right back in where I left. Literally. Um, right back <laughs> inside of her. Yeah. She had a boyfriend, but that was irrelevant. Yeah, she'd been dating a guy who's like older and wants to marry her. Yep. And yeah, just... And she just, just let you slide right inside. Straight back with me. Yeah. He's paying for her and doing all this shit. And why? Because you... Because you can always get a girl back when you're the one who either ends it or... Um, don't give her commitment and she leaves, right? So Phil left. He didn't give her commitment. He came back. She was probably a bit pissed off at you, but then slide right in, right? If you'd left it where, like, you were begging her to stay and, like, she was the one who broke up with you, she would never, ever fuck you again. You would be as attractive to her as this table. <laughs> like, when a girl breaks up with you yeah. and she says it's not you, it's, she's literally, like, so disgusted in you that, like, she will never, ever touch your dick again. But when you either end it or you say, I'm not committing to you, then that girl will always be attracted to you and always have, like, that romantic idea. Mm. Like, what could have been with Phil? Oh, it was so nice to Phil. Especially when she already had that guy that wants to marry her. Because she already knows that she could have it. Yep. She has nothing to work for she, she can't get you. Yeah. So of course she's gonna go back. Yeah. I, it almost makes it worse when they've got when they've got someone providing what you won't. They're almost more into you because they're not even try, they don't have the friction of trying to get you to do things you don't want to do. Right. So they've they're got like, that they need met. Just want to come and fuck you because right. Then she doesn't have in the back of her head like trying to make you be in a relationship with they've, her. They've got the pure provider need which met, is, so then they can be pure lover with you. Yeah. Which is. Great for us, but it's kind of harsh on the other guy. I mean, that's one thing I don't recommend, guys, um, is I do not recommend fucking taking women because, I mean, karma. For me, I think, like, that guy could be one of my readers, right? When I was your age, Phil, I was still doing that. But, like, as I got older, and this is not a judgment, I'm just saying, like, it's just... Avoid it if you can. Also, like, you'll find you start to lose respect for the girl. When you see a girl call her boyfriend, he's paying for everything from your bed. I'm like, fuck, this girl's disgusting. I feel bad for this guy, man. I'm I'm like, I wish I could call this guy and tell him, like, hey, man, you know, of course you can't do that. But, like, hey, man, you got to get rid of this girl. She's fucking garbage. Like, I feel bad for the dude. My, um, my morality is, like, I won't chase the girl who's in a relationship. But if she chases me, then it's okay. Yeah. Because if she's going to chase me, then she'll do it with someone else anyway. Yeah. 
and I almost feel like because I'm not promising her anything, I'm not trying to steal her from that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm just renting her for a bit of fun. That's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm not going to blow up their relationship, whereas a lot of guys would blow up their relationship, which is and then still ditch her in two months when he gets bored of her. Yeah, like that. I would never do that. Yeah, like it's. I, I don't care about the guy because I don't know him, but I don't want to leave the girl in a worse place than where she came into my life. I just like to avoid it. Like, I mean, there's drama in general. And sometimes, like, if that guy finds you, especially in Thailand, if you're in Thailand, you won't... Right. I, if, I don't know what Thai If the girl has a Thai boyfriend, that's a good way to get yourself killed because they're super jealous. If they're getting cucked, if the Thai boyfriend finds out that his girl is cucking him with a white guy, oh my God, he better not find your address. Yes, don't do that. That happened to one of my boys. Uh, he got a Facebook message from... A chick who is apparently married who didn't tell him from her her husband who says, "Did you fuck my wife? Our relationship depends on it. My marriage depends on it." Jesus and I was Christ. like, "That's why you got to keep a low profile in Thailand and and in a mid sized city. You got to be very careful. Um, being a player is a dangerous lifestyle. It's, it's actually an alternative lifestyle. It's not. It is not as socially acceptable as like people make it out to be." You, it is actually pretty socially unacceptable, especially yeah, into your mid thirties. I wouldn't say it's acceptable at all. I don't think it is. Either. Most people are haters. I mean, yeah. I mean, they talk about like slut shaming for women and stuff. Yeah. Like, okay, let's say slut shaming is like a hundred percent for women. It's like at least seventy percent as bad for a player. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have a corporate job, you pretty much have to lie about what you do on the weekends yeah. and shit. I mean. But at the end of the day, it's like happiness still has to be the primary priority. You have to really work around, like, you have to think around how do you make happiness that priority, right? So, Phil, did you have any more questions on happiness as a primary priority or anything like that? Kind of went off topic a bit. Yeah, we got everything covered, man. Um, Happiness and that. I think... um, it's, it's interesting to me because no one else in any sort of capacity, like in the self-development world or just in life in general, no one else seems to prioritize happiness in that way. And like when you actually step back and think about it, it's like, what the fuck else is anything for? Right. Your life is just nothing but one consistent series of state changes, right? And all my realizations came originally from Buddhism. When he talks about the nature of his existence as temporary and transient, I was like, that's it. It's just one state to the other. So if I can't be enlightened, then the most logical thing I I can do is make those consistent states as happy as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the reason that most people don't do that is lack of awareness. I think... The, the majority of people's problems comes from lack of awareness. The fact that they don't realize happiness, a person can be in their 70s and not have happiness as their primary priority is lack of awareness. So instead of looking inward, they look outward and they're just grasping. It's like, oh, that car, that burger, that, that, that'll make me happy. And they don't even like look to see like, does that make me happy? Does that consistently they don't reflect think, my state? They don't they're zombies. They've been lied right. to for so long that they don't. They're like they 50, don't know what happiness is. They're like fifty percent automatons, yeah. right? Like you know, we joke about the Thai girls and stuff, but like some some of the time, like they they're the way when you watch them, it's like fifty percent automaton. They just want they just think about food, 
oh yeah, let's go here for dinner. And then you're at the dinner with them and they're talking about the dinner next week. And they talk about like the movie they want to go to. And like, you know, there's, I think a large majority of people are walking around without that awareness. One, one thing that I notice here in Thailand, people are very happy. Yeah. What, any conversation you have with a Thai person is 99% of the time it's about what you're doing right now. Yeah. It's always in the moment. Yeah. They, they don't want to come and talk about their shit day at work. No. They don't tell you about stuff. Like, no. It's just about what you're doing now. You talk about whatever you're doing right now. They want to do something happy. Living in the moment kind of thing. It's very important. And the other thing about being aware is if you really devote yourself to it, it's scary at first because you realize how unhappy you are. You realize how many unhappy moments you have a day, <laughs> especially if you have a job. Like when you have a job, you you actually get into it. You're like, Jesus Christ, 50 hours a week, I'm I'm depressed or I'm miserable. And then driving home, I'm not happy. Waking up and going to work, I'm not happy. Brushing my teeth, I'm just neutral. And then you like, how many moments do I actually have where I'm happy? For like the average guy, it's like that beer and that pizza at the end of the week. That's like his happy moment. It's like a couple of hours out of, I think, you know, a massive I, I, week. As you start to develop your happiness as well, you do start to become more happy. You do, but it takes... Pushing your teeth. You do, but it takes the awareness to like realize where it is and how happy you are and then yeah. to focus on, on being able to do it. I mean, happiness, it starts to become a natural state rather than a stimulus. It is your natural state. And it's all about returning to that natural state of childhood where you look at a kid and a kid's just running through the leaves. You you raked up all the leaves in the backyard and the kid just jumps in the pile of leaves because he's just experiencing that and being happy. And the adult's like, oh, you're fucking messing it up because the adult only sees like the logical thoughts and stuff. So like, I think being happy is about returning as much as you can to that childhood state of being and having your day be as many have as many happy things as possible it's very hard to be happy when your day is like shitty day of a shitty job all the time i think that's very important too because basically as you're a kid you literally do whatever you want yeah and kids are by far happier than adults so much not a question so it right there proves that if you do what you want you'll be at least happier than you were before way happier when you become an adult, you can't just do what you want, but what you can do is you can align your responsibility with what you want. You can, so you can create mission. a life. You can, if you, if you go full tilt, you can create a life where you do as much as you want as humanly possible. Like, like if you have your mission and your business, which takes up most of your time, and that is something that, that you, you have to, like do, to do, you have to do to pay the bills, but yeah. you like doing it, right. then you're winning. I can't tell you how important it is to do something you love. Like there's a saying like the man who um, does what he loves never works a day in his life. That's, that's pretty much true. And like, I would say now like 60, 65% of my business is stuff that I love the next year. It'll be 70%, then 80%, then 90%. And eventually I won't do anything that I don't want to do. For me, it's not about accumulating all that money. I'm, I'm happy to give a lot of that money to just get my, get someone else to do my headaches yeah. and then just have stuff that I love to do. Because like a ton of money wouldn't change my life that much. I can only sit in one seat at a time. I can only eat one meal at a time. I can only, but like not not doing what I hate is a massive change. Mm -hmm. Doing what I love is a massive change. Yeah. Right? Like we said before, it's worth more than any amount of money. It's worth more than anything.
happiness is worth more than any amount of money because money is just a tool for happiness. And if you're just constantly acquiring money and acquiring stress, it is literally worthless unless it is, unless it is going towards increasing your state because life is just nothing but consistent state changes, right? That's what guys got to recognize. It's not a cute metaphor that I'm saying. This is like the actual way that I live as much as I possibly can. But it's getting better. Like, it's, it, happiness is also a skill. And if you've come from like massive depression that I have, you know, it takes it takes actual practice. You actually have to practice it every day. It doesn't, it doesn't just come overnight. You have to do the work. You have to be vigilant. You have to reframe the thoughts. And you constantly have to be building a life where you're getting more happy by the year. Mm. Yeah. All right, boys, anything else? Good talk. Yeah, man, good talk. So, as always, I want to thank you for listening, watching Revolutionary Lifestyle Design at Calm on YouTube, on iTunes, on SoundCloud. I also want to thank Brian from losertowinner.com for being here, as well as Phil Hawksworth from philhawksworth.com. Both great sites, great guys. Um, you should definitely check that out. And I want to thank you for listening and watching, and I wish you all the best in your personal development journey.